Welcome to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite, hosted by me, Coach Ben Rosario, featuring the Hoka NAZ Elite athletes, and from time to time, a special guest from the world of running. We talk training and racing, but we also just talk, and we go way deeper than just running. The Midday Treat is your chance to get to know us as people, so follow along and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now, check out this episode of the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. All right. Hey, everyone. We are here with Tyler Day. We are here with Tyler because we are about to begin the summer of 2022, and it's sort of a comeback summer for Tyler. We'll get into all of that and why he's coming back and what he's coming back from. Um, I think you'll really enjoy hearing the uh, lead up to, to where we are now. It's been a, a struggle, honestly, but uh, you know, we try to share everything here and, and Tyler's certainly going to do that today and then we'll, we'll get excited about the future. So before we do that, Tyler, okay. where's your hair? It's gone. What, what happened to your hair? Show, show the YouTubers what happened to your hair. Don't mind the part. That was my old hair. That's how it was parted. But yeah, it was time. I, I'm starting to do my job now. And having long hair is a struggle, ladies. I know I know how you feel about that. And um, yeah, it was, it was honestly time. I felt like if I didn't have the Achilles injury, it would have been gone about a year ago. But yeah. Uh, so it was symbolic in some way. Yeah, I mean, fresh start, you know, Phoenix rises from the ashes, Tyler cuts his hair, um, but it's going to a good place. It's on its way to a place called Wigs for Kids, uh, I believe in Ohio, that I wrote down the address. But yeah, it's it's going to a good cause. It's not going straight to the garbage bin. You know, I did put some work on it. I wanted the fruits of my labor to be enjoyed by others uh, per se. But yeah, donated it, but it was time. And uh, yeah, ready for the stream streamline look and uh, yeah, no, no hassle-free hair anymore. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Okay, and you did your first workout without the long hair this morning. Did Cor it feel different? Correct. It did feel a little weird. Um, did have to apply a lot more sunblock than usual. Neck, ears, head and toes. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was good. Felt yeah, again streamlined. I feel like I cut through the wind a little bit better. But yeah, nothing really holding me back symbolically. So awesome, awesome. So we'll come all the way back to that. Okay. Uh, but let's take the long route. Okay. So again, catching everybody up, uh, I think the best way to do that is, is to go back all the way to the summer of 2020. Okay. So you're finishing up your collegiate career mm -hmm. in the pandemic, okay. unfortunately. So Cut short, you, but yeah. <laughs> you, you had this uh, incredible career at NAU, punctuated perhaps by uh, your 13-16 indoor 5K in the winter of 2020. Mm -hmm. You were the number one seed going into the indoor track and field championships, mm -hmm. but did not get to compete because the meet was canceled. You are looking forward to outdoors, but then there is no outdoors. Mm -hmm. And then you're thinking, what the heck do I do? Correct. So you got all these options. You could stay. NCAA is saying they're giving people an extra year. You could go pro. What was it like? Uh, take us through that time period, that sort of spring of 2020. Okay, spring of 2020. It was um, pretty turbulent. And this is coming from me where I, I didn't get COVID. And for those who have been affected by COVID negatively, 
you know, sorry for all of that, you know. Um, but for me, it, it was very tough. Um, I had the greatest track season of my whole entire life, and I was gonna only get faster in the outdoor season, then boom, it gets cut short. And so then, I, I mean, immediately after the meet was done, uh, our assistant coach, Cornfield, uh, Jared Cornfield, was getting calls from agencies about myself and Jordy Beamish, uh, my other teammate in college, about like, hey, are they gonna go pro? And so the worst part was, agencies had no problem reaching out to me and wanting my interest with them the worst was trying to get the coaches professional coaches and i sent out emails to all of the main coaches the ones i thought i could vibe with with all the major companies you could think of and um i'm not trying to put myself on the pedestal but i thought that the pedigrees i've had the resume i've had in college i felt like i could belong on any team that i wanted to um, but the worst part is just hearing like, hey, we would love to have you in a normal world. You could be here, but different circumstances. So it was to the point where it was just I had this body of work that was just being neglected just due to uncertainty. So it was a very, yeah, it was a very stressful time indeed. Um, yeah, not fun. I don't want to relive that again. <laughs> well, we, we won't relive it too much. So you, you, you end up joining after all of that process. Mm -hmm our team, Hoka NAZ Elite, in the summer of 2020, Correct. toward the end of the summer. August, like yeah. late, like early August. And you are coming off a summer where you just basically ran. Yeah. You know, during that time period of trying to figure all this out. So when you, when you started with us, you were fit but not crazy fit. Mm -hmm. And we put together a schedule that was going to have you run, um, because there wasn't much to choose from. Correct. Uh, was going to have you run the Ekaden Relay in mm -hmm. Michigan, put on the by the Hanson's team. A week later, the half marathon put on by the Hansons team on that same course. Yep. And then the 10,000-meter race at the 10 uh, in San Juan Capistrano in California. And then pacing um, the uh, marathon project. And then you were going to pace the marathon project. That mm -hmm. was going to be the schedule. And so workouts are going good. You go to the Akadin, tear up the first leg, give us the lead. We end up winning the race. Uh, you ran really fast, uh, I thought, on that course on that day, 28.46 for 10K on the road. A week later, set a PB in the half marathon, 102.17. You're right in the mix to win that thing. You get third. Um, so things are going well. Mm -hmm. What, from your perspective, how do you remember that time period? I remember it as being like, it felt like I was a freshman in college all over again. I was very nervous for every workout. Uh, I had new teammates, um, but I didn't know how your workouts worked. You know, it's my first time working with you and what your structure was. So it was a lot of like nervousness, but also to the point where during that time, I had the start of Achilles tendonitis, I should say. So it really developed towards like my latter year. Uh, honestly, like the start of indoor season, I remember complaining to uh, coach Smith, my college coach, like, hey, there's something wrong with my, like, Achilles. It feels very sore, okay? Mm -hmm. That was just the extent, soreness. Mm -hmm. I take us through which side? What are we talking about? My right, my right, right side, leg, right Achilles. Insert, okay. Insertional, you know, if you have hackers. Right down, already. so it, where did you feel it? Right down it by was, the bottom? It's, it's like, yeah, it's like the bottom, a little bit on the outside, but it was just like, yeah, it was just like on the outside. But the, the point I, I want to emphasize that it was soreness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I could run through soreness. Yeah. I feel like if... So if, you're sitting there thinking, hey, this reminds me of my, when my quad is sore correct. after a hard well, hill day or well, something. When I ran 13-16, I had a sore Achilles. So I was like, I could work with this. Mm -hmm. I, I ran a fast time on it. I ran 7.45 on it. I ran a 4.05 indoor mile at the dome on it. Or a 4.08 at the time. Like, like, like I could deal with this. Like, I this is just a tough guy. I think I just got to stretch it out. Achilles tendonitis number one thing to do is keep stretching it out okay and so now um 
yeah, so going up to practice, I was like, hey, is my Achilles going to be sore today? Not, it was very hit or miss, but most of the time it was, you know, a miss. Like I was able to go into the workout, do it, Achilles bounced back fine. And I was like, cool, great. Then I did the first leg of the Ekadan, really happy with the effort I put in and how my leg turned out and how the whole entire team turned out. I was like, wow, this is great. And then the half marathon, um, it was a suffer fest for me. I have, I'm not really accustomed to that distance just yet, but I hung on and I tried to kick it in at the end and I got third. So things were looking very up. And I know both my site and your site was focusing on this 10K in California because I already had the Olympic almost Olympic A standard in the 5K, but at least the Olympic trials qualifier in the 5K, and we try to get it in the 10K. Because we knew at that point that the trials, or we felt pretty confident anyway, yes. that the trials were gonna be in 21, and the Olympics were gonna be in 21. That's mm -hmm. what we were being told, and that is what eventually happened, yes. although there was still some level of uncertainty, but we had to just kind of assume that it was gonna happen. We had to go with it, and so I know for me the emphasis wasn't that Ekaden Lake, it wasn't that half marathon, it was shooting for that 10K That's race right. in That's California, right. And uh, I did a workout at Camp Verde where we did a bunch of Ks and a 5K time trial. And that was, I think, was like the mark where like, I know you said before I was running, but I really wasn't like super fit on the team. This is at the point where like, I wasn't all the way fit, but I did some, like that workout was kind of like, oh, this dude has more room where I forgot how many Ks we did. I think you guys did eight or 10. Yeah, it was eight or 10 Ks at like pretty modest effort. But then the, the real focus of the workout was the 5K time trial that we had to That's do. Right. And we had a team competition between men and women. And I think the equalizer was the time that Kellen ran was equivalent to like a 13.56 for a man. And so for me, I was like, I need to get under 14. And so yeah, towards the end there, I had a solo effort and I'm just sprinting the last mile and I ran like 14.01. Yeah. And so I think at that point, like people were like, holy crap, Tyler. And that was where like, I really felt like, hey, I finally feel like a professional runner. I'm finally catching up with your work, uh, you know, how we're getting used to it with each other, how I'm approaching your workouts. And I was like, hey, this 10K, like, I feel very confident in, like, we can do this. And so now leading up to the California race, um, and, and during that time, like, my Achilles was getting a little bit more sore than usual, but again, not pain, nothing to hold me back. It was just Felt sore. similar to what it did. Yeah, I was able to walk college. normally. I was able to, like, I could get on my toes and get something without anything holding me back. It was just sore. And again, I ran 13, 16 on the sore Achilles. Were any workouts bothering it more than others? Because we did obviously get on the track a few times. Correct to really specifically prepare for the 10,000 on the track, was that worse? It was like from the start, it was sore by like warmed up into it. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of like, like at the end there when I was like ripping like 200s, like I nothing was impin like nothing was holding it back whatsoever. Got it. So it was more of kind of like, oh, I just need to warm it up, yada, yada, which I feel like is most like tendonitis where it's like sometimes you need to warm it up, sometimes you need to stretch more than usual. Um, but yeah, it was just pesky. But again, I was able to live life normally through mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, this is taking a quick step forward before coming back to where you are in the story. Um, afterward, feeling like, man, he didn't really even say anything. And I don't think you did, maybe for, except for once or twice. Mm -hmm. But as I hear you retell it, it's because you thought nothing was wrong. Yeah. You thought, hey, this is just soreness and I'm battling through it just like I did yeah. in the winter. And also you're talking to a dude that has never had a major setback in his life. So like maybe with all these red lights and bells whistling, hey, this is, you know, danger, danger. Yeah. I was, you know, blind eyed to it because I've never been in a position where like my body could potentially fail me or I was leading to the path of destruction. That's right. That's right. So you, you end up going to the 10,000 mm -hmm. and 
You're on the line. Do you have any worry about the Achilles on the line? The funny thing is... I don't know if I've ever asked you that, actually. Well, the funny thing is the day of the race was the best my Achilles felt. Never felt... Didn't I didn't feel anything of it. And maybe that's adrenaline. Hundred. I mean, could be adrenaline, but, like, I remember I was, like, doing little, like, little quick sprints in my hotel room and, like, <laughs> and, like kind of walking on my tippy toes. I was watching a Frank Sinatra special on Netflix, so I'm, like, working it out and, like, you know, really testing it and, like, kind of, like, leaning into it. But the fact that you were doing that... You knew something was up. Well, I mean, I, I I knew that I was like it was sore, but I was like, hey, I don't feel sore. Like this is weird. And I was testing. I was like, you know what? This is good. And I did the warm up, felt fine. Did the strides on the little baseball field that yeah. us athletes had to warm up on. Nothing wrong. I was warming up with King Chez, and I was going his pace. And no no red lights. Went on the track, did a few strides there. Nothing. So when I was on the line, I was like, it was a nervousness of like, oh my gosh, it's my first professional race, but I've done this track race before. Excuse me. So I just need to calm down, but not one doubt of my Achilles crept in my mind because I just felt so good that day. Interesting. So then the race gets going mile in, two miles in. What are you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling the pressure of the race, but I'm in a good spot. I'm not fully in front of the race. I'm in the middle. I'm in the sweet spot where I want to be. But yeah, I'm holding strong. Um, I know this is a early, really early 10K for me, and I know we really weren't getting into the nitty gritty of the workout per se like we wanted to, but I was like, hey, I'm holding my own. I am a strong athlete. I can work on endurance strength. And yeah, I think I got this in the bag. I just need to be smart and be, you know, just trying to be ready for the move. Um, then further on in the race, the move was happening, and I kind of felt people kind of passing me by, and I felt like, Maybe I wasn't getting a lot of power from like my right leg or whatever leg. I just felt like I wasn't getting power. So it got to a point where like, hey, you need to move up, which makes sense. There's a gap forming. We're trying to hit a time. So I'm moving around people and it's getting really harder and harder, but not to the point where it's like mentally drained, like, like mental race fatigue. It was just like, wow, these paces are kind of getting like really hard to hit. And I know I could hit these paces. And the thing that really broke the camel's back was I think we, I had, what was it, 3K to go, 2K yeah, to go? You, you, yeah, like a couple miles to go. I think you got to four miles. Yeah, no, I got to four miles. I, I got through like- The hardest the, the, part, the, really. Yeah, yeah, the meat of it, because um, I'm just so strong. Um, <laughs> and I went to move around. I forgot who the runner is, but I went to move around and we're on the home straight, getting ready to start the next lap. When I was going around him and really try to get on the top of my foot, I just kind of felt like something kind of give out, right? Yeah. And I just kind of felt myself limping. And I was like, what in the heck is going on? And I'm like limping, but I'm not really feeling any pain. But I was like, something is wrong. This is not good. So then I pull off the track, took three steps, and this shooting pain just radiates from my ankle. And I'm like, oh crap. And then I'm on my knees and I see Ben, Bruce, and yourself running up. And I remember you're like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, dude, I don't know. And I remember the first thing you told me was, did you hear a pop? And I said, no, I did not hear a pop, which is true. I did not hear a pop, Yeah. but I knew something was wrong because I went to get up and walk. Like my, my ankle is just like on fire, essentially. Yeah. It just, it felt like someone took a sewing needle and was just like, pressing it and wiggling it in like the high part of like my Achilles and just constantly just like stabbing at it. And then even like when I sat down, it was still there, but I knew something was wrong. And I just felt bad because I was like, I don't want to make the team look bad. It's my first track race. Yeah. I'm wearing the Hokie uniform and my Achilles felt great. And now I am using you as a crutch to crutch back to the baseball field yeah. to my bag. And um, emotionally I was just crushed. Um, so 
yeah, that's how that race went. And uh, I remember back in the hotel room, I got some, um, was it Voltaren, the cream? Yeah, the tr you know, it's the super anti-inflammatory yeah, 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 yeah. So so we saw that my ankle was slowly swelling up. So of course, first thought is like, let's get ice on it. Let's get this Voltaren cream. So then I limped over to Kellen and Steph's room and they're telling me, hey man, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know, I'm pretty crushed right now. Lathered some Voltaren, seeing if that worked, put some ice on it. Bada bing, bada boom, cool. Went to bed on it, woke up. And I physically could not like stand on my feet that I was actually crawling on the floor, putting like stuff in my bag. Yeah. And so, and I was just like, I like, I cried on the floor the night like before. And I'm like, dude, I hope this isn't the beginning of the end. Like, I hope this doesn't ruin me for the trials. And yeah, on the car ride back to California, I was just in so much pain and my ankle was swelling up by the minute. And then we saw our PT guy and it was like, yeah, the size of a grapefruit on my ankle. Yeah, so let's let's tell the folks what the diagnosis was. We we found yeah. out two things essentially. Mm -hmm. Number one, you were dealing and had been dealing with all these things that you've been talking about, the soreness. Yep. It was from Haglund's deformity. Yeah, yeah. It was um you could see my heels and they had a bump on it. And I remember at NAU when I was complaining about this stuff, everyone's like, yeah, you have a little bit of Haglund's deformity. All you gotta do is cut a hole in your shoe, yada, yada. And I know I did that. Um, and I also did that a little bit with the Hoka shoes. And that kind of helped like a little bit to the point where like it just didn't help at all. I'm just destroying the Hoka shoes. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit of Haglund's deformity. But the thing that really threw me back was I cannot remember a time where I've had like a regular looking heel. I always remembered having a bump in the heel. like the three national championships I hope NAU win, the 13-16 I ran in, I always had a bump in my heel. Mm -hmm. And it never bothered me before until now. So that's what was really throwing me back. It yeah. was just like I've always had, mm -hmm. I don't know, a thick boy heel. And when se. he says bump, you know, it's 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 right on the back of the heel. Yeah. And it's it's the result of the body sending extra calcium, building extra bone uh, right there at the bottom where the Achilles... Uh, goes up and down over that bone basically and what happens over time is as the body sends more and more bone to that area the Achilles has to keep going over it and over it and it's very painful and it gets more and more painful which is exactly what you've described and the Achilles is constantly under tension especially if you're a distance runner if That's you're running right. MIF on the toes it's always on tension so then it gets to the point where like okay it's pointing to this area and your body's such a miraculous vessel that's like oh i need to fill that area because it's like we're losing bone here which then causes the bump um so that was like you know achilles under tightness and meeting you know further down the line with the surgeon and everything they said like because of your high arches that does attribute to tight achilles yada yada um so uh but yeah it was just so, so number, one was Hagelin's, number one was Hagelin's deformity yeah then we find out what happened on that night that you described on the track mm -hmm. was a tear. Yeah, so during the time when we were first told about it, I thought it was just hardcore tendonitis that just mm -hmm. got the best of me, mm -hmm. right? And then we tried to, AJ, my trainer, and also works well with our team, my PT, um, was like, hey, we're going to come back from it. Because we don't, I for me, I never tore anything in my life. How I imagine No, we did not tear, know it was a tear at we that did, time. We know a tear. Like, for, for me, in my head, I was like, a tear would feel way worse than this. Yeah. Okay, again, I'm not here to be saying I'm a tough guy. I just assume that 
I think a tear would feel way worse than what a tear actually felt like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the time we didn't know it was a tear. So I remember just Christmas time, you know, everyone's just the most wonderful time of the year and I'm just like, bah humbug, this is terrible. And I remember just learning how to run, walk on the canal, learning how to walk normally again, finally learning how to do some like little old man shuffles to the point where I was kind of basically making a comeback and I was like, look, yeah. the 10K is already out the window. We missed the opportunity. At least I have a 5K. Um, that does qualify within the window of the trials and we're gonna go for that. And so I remember during a time where I was making my first comeback, um, I was like, hey, maybe it's just like 10 to nine, it's got the best of me, but it was still like, it still felt a little painful. Now beforehand, it was sore when I started. Yeah. Now it's a stinging pain, but I'm like, look, the trials are coming up. And even at times when I ran, maybe when I did warm up the muscle, it felt good, I did not feel it. Um, and this was very like half and half. Some days on the easy runs, it did felt like crap. I was like, I gotta muscle through it because I need to get to the line in Eugene. Often days, my Achilles felt normal and it was fine. Yeah, and we think in retrospect, because part of this is to try to help folks who are, who are feeling yes. these same things. Yes. We feel like that soreness was the Hagelin's deformity. Correct. And that stinging was the, the tear. tear. Correct, yeah, because yeah. since that 10K, I had the stinging pain. Before that 10K, no stinging pain yep. whatsoever. Yep. But yeah, I'm not a doctor, but I would assume that in that 10K race, when I did try to make that move around the gentleman. That was the And, and, and my leg the, gave yeah. out. It wasn't the pop, but it was a tear. It was a tear. Now, I don't know how much it tore that time, yes. per se. So now moving the guideline or the timeline along more, we're starting to get a little bit more aggressive on workouts. We had to. And yeah. I mean, it, it was point. dire, you yeah. know? And I was doing a lot more stuff in the weight room where I was doing a bunch of like ankle carries and everything, and I was responding really well to that. So I was okay, maybe this isn't the tear. We were getting some signs that we could start progressing a little bit. Correct. Yeah. And, and you know, it was like, we need to get to the starting line and we can't be passive about it. Like if I'm gonna try to make it to the finals in the 5K, you know, I, I gotta be a perfect, like, you know, we gotta do some big boy stuff. And so, yeah, it was, started to do a little bit more aggressive workouts, a little bit aggressive workouts, and then the biggest, First step workout, we went back down to Camp Verde, me and the boys, and it was, did a 10K, literally a 10K centric workout. It was 10 by 10K. 10 by 1K. Oh, sorry, 10 by, I apologize, 10 by 1K, but the pace was slower than like the goal 10K pace. Yeah, it was just, it was just gonna progress. It was gonna progress, right? Honestly, on paper and uh, like my pedigrees and stuff. It wasn't meant be, to be a tough session. No, that should be easy. And I remember in that session, I was just, sweating bullets. I felt like I was using twice the power that I needed to to get there. I was really frustrated that I was missing the times by a second, but that second felt like 10 minutes for how much I'm like putting into it. And when people were like kind of moving away from me, it just felt like I was getting dropped and like moving back. And the longer that the like the effort went on with the case, I made it through the whole entire workout because then we had hundreds at the end. But yeah, in the t in the, when I finished the case, my Achilles was like, like literally I felt like I was on like threadbare on yeah. my Achilles tendon. So then I did the hundreds. I was like, maybe I just need to like <laughs> loosen it up, yes. <laughs> go around. Yeah. I, I, I muscled the, I muscled oh. the 100s and then we did the cool down and I physically cannot run on the cool down. That was it then? That was, that was it. I mean, we have a three mile cool down on our team. Didn't even make it a court, like even like 400 meters. And, and you I didn't stopped. run again for months. I didn't run again until almost, uh, until January 25th of 2020. And, 21. And tw yeah, I'll no, apologize. Wait, that was, hold on, that 20, was 21. 21. That was 21. We're talking about the spring of yes. 21. You didn't run again till yeah. January 22. Yeah, so my last workout before surgery was May 1st of 2021. Yep. And then my first 
workout back when I was on um, Lake Money with the team was almost a year later. Yeah. Like, it was like, we were like two weeks away from being a full year. Not, not a full year from running. No, from my last workout. From, no, because you, your last workout was May 1, uh -huh. 2021. Yeah. Your first workout on Lake Mary when was I had January six mile. 22. Oh, no, the, it was the uh, six miles steady state. Oh, you're talking about your first run was January, and yeah. then your first, the, the hard, first workout, hard workout, quote, was, hard almost, workout. was almost a year yes, after. Yes, it was almost yeah. a year. But no, right. my first workout on like running on flat ground, yes, January 25th yep. and on the indoor. But but yeah, that was at the time where our riding was on the wall, and I was like, there's something wrong. And I think a couple days later, I got an MRI, and the next day, AJ called me, seven millimeter tear going north to south on my Achilles. Yeah. But he said it was on the Haglands. So my thought was just, oh, maybe the tendonitis Cause like my my Achilles is too tight and just tying it and it was like yeah three months in the boot and we're gonna try to avoid surgery so my thought was like okay three months in the boot yeah it's gonna suck I'm gonna miss the Olympics or miss the Olympic trials excuse me I'm not gonna go way ahead of myself but hey I'm gonna avoid surgery like this is great boot for three months this is money in the bag is it gonna suck yeah but like again ultimate goal is I don't want to have a surgery that's gonna you know take me a year to heal yeah so that was that was the next thing where it was just like cool. I know that I'm not <laughs> mentally weak or like, you know, no, we knew I, that, we I knew that it was know, a physical it, it was thing my, and yeah, something nothing happened. you could do. And we, we, yeah, we thought that, um, the, the time in the boot would be sufficient for the, uh, tear to heal. Yeah. And we would go from there. However, and during that time I was doing a bunch of swimming workouts, yeah, cross yeah, training. So I was still staying fit. Yep. But yeah, at this time now it was just like, Oh, all I need is three months in the boot and we're good. But we ended up going to Dr. Lewis Freed mm -hmm. down, down, in Mesa. down in Mesa to get his opinion on whether or not you needed surgery for the Haglands. Yeah. And that was in the summer. That was in the summer. So that was literally, so three months in the boot, it was towards like the, like literally like towards the end of that. Because mm -hmm. then Coach Jenna and myself drove down to Phoenix, met up with the guy. And in my head, I was like, I guarantee he said like, I don't need surgery, yada, yada. I I'm trying to be optimistic. Yeah. Met him with the guy, and he's like, yeah, I saw your MRI and everything, and honestly, with your scale, like, that boot isn't going to do crap. And then my optimism went right yeah. through. And so he was just saying, like, because of, I was, he's like, what happened? I told him I got partially tore my Achilles. He's like, I mean, very minorly partially tore Achilles. I was like, I know, seven millimeters, but still it doesn't feel better. Um, but I told him my whole entire thing, what I just told y'all right now, my little timeline and he's like yeah the boot isn't going to do anything and he's like looking at your Haglund's deformity the thing is massive and the only way you're going to fix it is if you're going to need surgery because the reason why the Achilles tear was because that my bone bump yeah. was causing the Achilles to get tight even more and that's caused the tear and he also said like because of how I ran and just me being a runner with high arches it was bound to happen so I'm glad it wasn't like it wasn't like, oh, I, I'm in Hoka products and this happened to me, or oh, I ran into Adidas in college and this happened to me. It was because I chose this profession that this happened to me. Um, and then, yeah, the ride home was just very, like, it was kind of dim because then I was offered two options. I think I, I remember telling you one was get the surgery, mm -hmm. okay, the one thing we tried to avoid, but get the surgery. It's going to take me a year to fully recover, but I'm able to cross train after four weeks. Or I could keep going down, get a cortisone shots, and put a bandaid over it. Yeah, we said no. And to that and I was point. like, yeah, this is this seems to be only one answer. Yeah. And um, yeah, again, writing on the wall again. It's kind of like, hey, what's gonna happen? And uh, 
yeah, since then I stopped cross training because why would I get fit for something that is gonna happen? And um, yeah, and try to go on through to get surgery. Um, before I even did surgery, I was talking with other athletes that had the same problems that I had. Um, one in particular was uh, Vanessa Frazier for Batman Track Club. And when she was telling me problems that she had leading up to her surgery, I had the exact same problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, I eventually did seek out her surgeon. Um, the one that did work on her did work That's on That's who me. we mentioned, Dr. Mentioned, Freed. Yeah, Dr. Yep. Freed. And so, yeah, I when I was seeking out help from other runners and asking like, hey, like, surgery good what were your problems going into it i yeah same problems and i was like surgery is much needed so and then after like months of waiting and waiting to be on the wait list i finally had a time and a day to get the surgery september 10th early in the morning my mom and my girlfriend dropped me off and yeah went under and they cut me open fun fact I remember growing up reading that redheads need more like laughing gas or put out gas and I needed, but that was like, you never trust what you hear online. So having an anesthesiologist come in, I asked her the pressing question. I was like, Hey, I have to tell you, I'm a natural redhead. She's like, okay. And I was like, do redheads require more juice than normal people? And she's like, in my humble experience of the years I've done this, it is true. Oh wow. So for those out there that are wondering <laughs> if redheads need more anesthesia, an anesthesia it's, it's true. Okay. Okay. Fact. Well, uh, th that was worth worth the price of the pot. Um, okay. So we'll stop there for a second. We'll come back to the surgery and what exactly goes on in that okay. surgery because it's a little uh, gross, mm -hmm. <laughs> but very interesting. Um, so let's let's do this. And we prepped for this, but I'll I'll, I'll ask you anyway. Um, if you could go back and do it all over again, what would you do differently? What would I do differently would be after seeing my heel swell up and me limping and not putting weight on it in California in that 10K, I feel like the next day when we did see the PT, maybe also get an MRI yep. and see what's going on and then maybe potentially stop in the season early and go from there. That would be the smart choice. But honestly, with my gut, um, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, if you ever have a goal or a dream that you're trying to get to, you know you won't stop at anything to get to it. For me, it's the Olympics. I know for you, it's to coach an athlete in the Olympics. And so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I still would have continued, try to be naive on what's hurting and still do the same thing because I want to get to the line. I'm sad it didn't work out, but again, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I think it's interesting because of course, I, I would say that I would change the thing, yeah. you know, and, and that's okay. That's good, right? So, you know, if you're a coach and you're listening to this, I think, you know, I'm I'm perfectly happy and willing to say, hey, I would have done something different. I would have made Tyler get that MRI. And if it said that it was a tear, I would have said, look, I'm sorry, but we're not going to get to the trials. We're just not going to mm -hmm. because we're not going to risk your career for this one event, this one year. Um and look, the way Tyler is speaking is the way every athlete's going to speak and think and probably should. Yeah. Uh, but that's why we're here. And, and that is what I would change is getting an MRI quicker so we would have we could have had a better idea of what was really going on. And it's and it's nothing against the physical um, um, therapists or, or I should say the, 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 the physiotherapists that we spoke with mm -hmm. who didn't tell us to get our MRI or, or who thought there was another way. Cause I think, look, they're human beings too. Yeah. That 
they want you to get past this too, you know? So I think that's why the MRI is a really good thing because the MRI doesn't lie. Correct. The MRI has no emotion. Yeah. The MRI machine does Victim not care about the trials. The MRI machine does not care about your hopes and dreams. It just takes a picture of your ankle. Yeah. You know? It just tells it how and, it is. And I think that, you know, again, if I, if I had to do it over again, we would have gotten that MRI. It would have showed a tear, hopefully not as big as the tear that eventually was there. Correct. Um, we would have done everything we could to get that heel uh, or that that tear fixed, uh, recovered, whatever you want to say, uh, and then we would have seen where we would have had to go from there. Now, I'm not sure what the decision would have been like in terms of the surgery, Correct. because I still think we would have probably been hoping for somehow to get back to the trials. Uh -huh. uh, so it's, it's hard to say. At, at the end of the day, I am glad that we saw Dr. Freed, the best in the business, from what we were told. Mm -hmm. um, and got the surgery. So now, boom, okay, we're back to the surgery. Let's tell people anatomy lesson. what really goes on in that surgery room. Uh, what, what, what did they do to your Achilles? So for Haglund's deformity surgery, the barbaric, that's how my surgeon called it, the barbaric old school method would be <clears throat> they would cut down the side of your leg, open it up, then they would detach your Achilles, take it right off the bone. Yeah. Shave it down. Shave the bone down. Shave the bone down, probably with a file. Just kidding. Um, and then they reattach the Achilles and then zip you up. And the reason why it took longer for you to come back wasn't because of the bone shave. It was your Achilles being reattached to the heel. Yeah. For my case, the reason why Vanessa seeked him out was he had a less invasive way of dealing with this. For me, um, it, I didn't have a big ass, sorry, I didn't have a big scar. It's just two little ticks on the side of my heel and they, my Achilles stayed attached to my heel. And the only reason they did touch my Achilles was to clean it up and promote blood, blood flow to the area to promote healing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they went in, shaved in, and all of that with my Achilles attached and minimal scarring. Yeah. And they said the recovery time was literally cut in half compared to the old school version. For me, I was able to be a little bit, like I was able to cross train after four weeks, like like aqua jogging mm -hmm. in the pool, mm -hmm. swimming. This is before I could even walk. Yeah, because those first four weeks, you did nothing. I did nothing. I sat on the couch. Yep. Um, I wanted to do something, but I knew I needed to take the time off. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, surgery happened. And I guess they used a bunch of <laughs> anesthesia on me because they said that when I was done, they rolled me into the waiting room. I tried to get up and walk away. <laughs> and they said, no, 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 you can't do that. I was I was eyes closed. I don't know what's going on. I just felt people holding me back. And yeah, they told me that I tried to walk up out of there. Like it was like, all right, thanks. But um, yeah, that's how my surgery went. And, and I remember them telling us that don't expect to be fully fit mm -hmm. for one full year which is that, september that didn't mean don't start running correct it just meant it just meant when you factor in how much time you're going to miss the detraining effects of, of that period of time mm -hmm. then how slowly and gradually you're going to have to come back because we're talking walking yeah jogging for a minute you know learning to drive a car oh my gosh all the things that you were doing uh in the fall as you in the winter as you came back i mean it was so gradual yeah um and then you factor in how long it's going to take to get back up to full training that's where he's getting that one year uh number from and mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's september of 22 is what we're looking at to be to be fully fit when 100 when you heard that yeah 100 percent healthy 100 percent fit because mm -hmm. right now i would say you're 100 percent healthy yes you're just not 100 percent fit correct yes. so we're right where we want to be or we're, according to the doc yeah i mean i'm, I'm honestly 
like I think I'm way ahead of schedule uh, th yeah. than what I think I was going to be yeah. when I was sitting in the couch. <laughs> yeah. Talk about some of those early days when you did start running, because I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is some, it is some uh, tedious work. Some heavy stuff. Um, mentally degrading and draining. Yeah. Um, it's something that I think if you ever deal with injuries that takes away something that you've done for a while, it makes you feel like less of a human than you are. Um, at least for me, I've been running forever and it just came so naturally to me. And now I can't even walk across uh, to my room. I can't even walk to use the bathroom. I can't even get on my tippy toes to reach for a bowl for cereal. Now thinking like, but wait, my job isn't walking. My job is running. <laughs> like, it's like, well, I, is my Achilles going to have the bounce? Can, am I man enough or tough enough to actually take upon this? Like, can I actually be normal again? Can I be where I was at? And so thank God I live in a time of 2022 where we have Alter G treadmills and all that jazz. So in order for you to run, you got to learn how to walk. So for me, it was learning how to walk for longer periods of time. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I was like, okay, can I walk faster? Okay, can I learn how to do heel to toe instead of just straight leg? Um, can I learn to like maybe give a little bit on the Achilles, but not too much because we don't want to ruin it. And then it got to the point where, okay, I could walk a lot. Uh, doing weights, I, I can do weight bearing stuff and everything. Let's see what the Alter G felt like. Mm -hmm. So then going on the Alter G, it was just seeing, can I do the Alter G? Mm -hmm. And we started off with literally like 70%, which if you haven't been on the Alter G <laughs> before. Like on the moon. Yeah, if you haven't been on the Alter G before, 70% is literally what Neil Armstrong When, he, when he says 70%, 70 he's body talking weight. about 70% of his body weight. Yeah. And so, yeah, I put on the little tutu and get in the little space bubble and I press the button to go and just seeing me like running like on foot, like it was a shuffle and um, my leg was, uh, was very straight from the knee, which was a problem that I remember when I was running and I was telling my PT, Hey, I think I'm running well. He's like, actually seeing your gait, we need to learn to get over our knee over our toes. So you can learn how to load it. Cause if you keep running with a straight leg, that's going to be like a stress fracture somewhere mm -hmm. and it's going to cause more problems. So for me, it was like, okay, now I learned how to run again. Now can I run properly mm -hmm. and that was where i was thinking i was like okay think what my left leg is doing okay knee over the toe midfoot let's see if i could do on the right leg and it took me about two months to learn in the alter g to get my knee over my foot and have it feel somewhat natural mm -hmm. and and not too painful yeah and so i was really progressing really well there along with biking with the team um that really helped me a lot aqua jogging and swimming really helped me a lot. So it was to the point where I was doing everything but running, altergying, biking, swimming, just the trifecta over and over again, but slowly increasing the tempo on all of them. And it got to the point where on altergy, I was able to run for an hour at 95% body weight at like 7.30 pace. Mm -hmm. And at that point when it's like, okay, can you run for an hour? It's like, yes. Can you do it at like 90 something percent? Yes. And they're like, what pace are you doing it at? And I'm like, I could do it at like 730 pace, which is on the Ultra G, it felt like a sprint. And <laughs> when you're away from the Ultra G, it's just everyone's warm up jog. But, um, but at that point, I was like, okay, I think now we can flirt with the fact with the flat ground. And before that, I, I emailed my surgeon. I'm like, hey, I'm doing this. Like, what I'm like, like, how is this going? I even met with him in person and told him about my Alter G stuff. He's like, you're actually way ahead of schedule, mm -hmm. and I think you should definitely try running on it now, like flat ground. Like, I give you my blessing. And so, yeah, uh, January 25th, 
the rest of the team had to work on the dome. I asked to tag along and this time I didn't bring a bike or a camera to help get photos. I brought myself in my Clifton's and uh, went down there, did the warm up, did my little warm up walk. And then, yeah, I did a simple, what was Gosh. it? Like, like a two minute or one, one minute, minute on, run, two, two minute, minute walk. Off. Yeah, I mean, two minute walk. Two minute walk. I remember that. Gosh, I can so clearly see January of this year. Yeah. January of this year, I learned how to run on flat ground again. And I think at that point, it was literally, yeah, September. So during that time, I wasn't even running like at all. Uh, Biking a lot. Yeah. And everything. But, and at this time I was still like 30 pounds overweight with Mm -hmm. a gut and I was trying to get you know, trying to build my explosive muscle again in the weight room. But I was just like, again, talk about a shell of who I once was. That Tyler was a rough looking dude. But yeah, January 25th, yeah, was just my first run walk. See that, when you, when you think about it that way, and you think about what you just did this morning as we sit here in May, that's, that you've come a long ways. It's insane. It's insane, <laughs> it's insane, it's really cool. I, I think that I should point out one of the things you said and, and, and reiterate this, the whole time you were talking to the doctor. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's important, again, for coaches and athletes to admit who you are and who you're not. You're not yeah. a doctor. Yeah. You're not a doctor and I'm not a doctor. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of coaches and athletes that play doctor. And they, they make up their own rules uh, and emotion gets involved mm-hmm. and they think that they can beat the system. Yeah. But the body is what it is. It takes time to heal and... You know I was on you every time. Hey, ask the doc. Yeah. Ask, show him what we're doing. Make yeah. sure it's okay. And uh, I think now we've pretty much gotten the green light. I mean, for me, it, with that, con- like, on the topic of that, it was at times where, like, I would be in the weight room and I would be like, hey, AJ, is it cool if I learn how to do, like, my stretches and stuff? He's like, how many miles did you run this week? And I'd be like, 40. He's like, if you can run 40 miles, yes, you, your Achilles is bold enough to stretch. So for me, it was like to the point like I was hesitant to do stuff, yeah. but like the timeline, like AJ's like, But yeah, I think you're it was fit. better to be that way yes. than yes. the opposite. And and I think for runners too, especially at, at a high level, and I don't mean a high level like 13, 16, 5K. I mean, you I, run a lot. Yeah. You could be any speed. Yeah. But I'm saying that if you're a person who runs a lot and you train hard, uh, for you to get prescribed one minute on of Easy jogging, yeah, followed, this is by a, easy. followed by a two-minute walk. I know the inkling is to say, well, I don't really have to do that little. I could yeah. do more than that. But you have to follow it. But that minute on felt like 10 miles, yeah. though. That's, you know, so yeah. for, for me, it's like I really wasn't that aggressive-minded where I was like, oh, I could do more. Like, I was like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm running for a minute, and nothing is, like, breaking on me. Yeah. Like, this is insane. Um, it was just kind of like that feeling. Then you got to the point, you, you kind of glossed over this, but you did some... Oh, sorry. Kill, no, no, I'm, 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 because you're humble, but you, you did some killer cross-training. Oh. Jenna, Jenna Reedon, our assistant coach, gave Tyler some killer cross-training I thought workouts. I was going to die in the pool. <laughs> she, she, she was murdering you, holy yeah. cow. No, some of the bikes, so some of the bike workouts I did, if it was an easy bike, I would meet out with the team. It would be cold as hell. Um, I'll be bundled up, but I'll be riding with the team because for the longest time when I was injured, the only time I get to see the team was at weights. So I now I was like, yeah, I get to be with them runs. Not running with them, but I could talk with them. I could give Matt crap, like all that stuff from a, like on the bike. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so, but then in the afternoon, Jenna would give me like bike workouts where it would be like, uh, like it would be like five by three minutes on, one minute off. And at three minutes on, we're like, you have to get your heart rate up to like a hundred watts or try to push a hundred watts or something. And it got to the point where when I had biking sprints, I had to push to like 
I think like 300 watts at one time. And so I was getting fit there and then swimming is just swimming. Like uh, she'd give me a swimming workout and I immediately died. And so, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, but during that time, my mind process was like, look, I am 170 pounds. My race weight is 145 to 150. I know I let myself go. I can see it in the mirror and I know I don't feel confident in myself. I really want to take ownership and actually get back into this. If there's one thing I wish I did was not sit on the couch for that long. <laughs> um, you but. know what though? I don't know how much choice you really had. And I think it's fair to, to, to talk about weight for a second. I know it's mm -hmm. a touchy and a triggered, Very, triggered yes. subject, but here's, yeah. the, here's the thing about it is there, there's a natural process to this whole thing. Yes. And you had to sit on the couch and some people put on weight a little easier than others. Mm -hmm. And so you put on some weight. Yeah. I think it would have been a mistake. I, I believe this to, you know, um, somehow restrict your diet yeah. or, or, or not get enough. Because look, the, we think of the body as needing fuel to run fast and yes. to run hard and to run far and to mm -hmm. run a lot of miles and to run up hills. But the body also needs fuel to recover. Yeah. And, and, it, and if you would have restricted your calories, if you would have restricted your, um, your daily intake, changed your meals, all, all these things, you might not have gotten the fuel you needed to recover. So did you put on weight? Yes. But what I've liked over the course of the last few months is it has then come off naturally. Yeah. You haven't forced it. And it's been actually probably uh, a good thing in the sense that it did keep you from doing too much too early uh, yeah. because it was it, the, it was a very natural process where the body's like, yeah, hey, look, I should only run this much right now because of the Achilles, but I'm also, I'm also not fit. Yeah. So there's only so much I can do anyway. And, and now that you've, you know, increased your mileage slowly, gradually, and it's now you're getting back closer to your to your normal weight. I think it's all been a natural process, and I, I just think you did a really good job. And I, I think that if we're trying to help others, we should know that hey, that's okay if you put on some weight. Yeah. It's going to come off. Yeah. Just let it come off naturally. Yeah, I, mean, I would say like you know like during the time where I was like on the bike wearing a long sleeve and a sweatshirt to try to get some water weight off. At the time, I was like oh, I wish I did more. But now like me running again and taking the time, I do agree. Like I'm glad I was able to let myself go for a little bit and actually not think about running for once and just focus on like trying to heal and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean when I was cross training, obviously I can't wear a sweatshirt in the pool. But yeah, on the bike I would look like a wrestler. Yeah. Well, let's like, not let's not necessarily suggest that. No, but but, but, I, but yeah, I I tried to do that, but now I'm glad that you yeah. know it's it's. Well, the other thing you did that that put on some weight was you worked really hard in the weight room. I did, but it was okay. That was AJ's thought process yeah. was hey, let's take advantage of this time. Let's get really strong. Yeah, and then once he. You know, we, we worked together, and once he knew that you were to a certain point running-wise, then he backed off the weight. Yeah. And that's been fine, but you built a lot of strength. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, so now V-lining from cross-training to weight room, talking to AJ, he's like, look, you can't run. Okay, but we can work on your power, which for me, aerobically strength-wise, I was a, a monster. But when it came to, like, pure speed and pure, like, American muscle, I lacked. 100%. I, I can agree. Like... Before I joined the team, I couldn't even do a pull-up. And, uh, you know, and even in races in college, I always got my doors blown off. It was a close race, okay? I'm, I'm, I could admit that. You can see that. And so now during that time, he's like, we're going to have you train as a bodybuilder. So it was a time where when I hopped on the scale, I was still 170, but I was leaning down. Yes. And then it got to the point where I was able to rep 
245 pounds on the hex bar and I would never see I would never imagine myself doing that now yeah. I went back to actually cracking out pull-ups not a lot like I can only do bursts of three now but we're building up but no but like all the times are now like very centric where it's like it's almost like you have a heavy weight but it's like how fast can you do yeah, it you're powerful. That's, like we need to work on the pop yeah. which is something like I don't have that crazy of a pop Quick, so I'm trying to work powerful, on that yes so yes. during that time I was building up and then when running starting to be a little bit more and more we started to have a lot longer workouts no more walk warm-up I could actually do a run warm-up yep. and everything along that matter um, yeah we definitely ease back on the weight but we're still trying to work on like even to this day I yesterday actually I was still trying to work on like fast power like back squats and everything yeah. not heavy weight but it's just weight that how much can I just work on power Perfect. So there it is. So you segued. So now we're all the way to this morning. This morning. <laughs> and take them through the workout this morning, which will give, a, give okay. everybody an idea of where you're at right now. Um, and then we'll look to the future. Okay. Cam Verde, scene of the crime that took me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dramatic. In dramatic fashion. Um, Cam Verde, I was with uh, Matthew Baxter, um, the Kiwi. And um, I had a 10-minute, 8-minute, 6-minute four minute, four minute on run. And then my rest went from 2.15, two minutes, 1.45, 1.30. And the effort on the 10, eight, six, four, four, 10 was 5.15 pace, eight was uh, 5.10 pace, next level was 5.05 pace, and the next level was five, fat, five flat pace. And so for me, I, uh, I really try not to get too aggressive down there, but I also, Right now, for me, what I'm lacking is trying to get like my endurance back on like leg speed, like the five flat area, mm -hmm. like like kind of like the zone where I used to do my steady states. I'm trying to build that back up because right now, mileage wise, I've been hitting 80 miles a week on six days of running because on the seventh or my rest day, I aqua jog. Mm -hmm. So I know I'm putting in a bunch of effort on the regular running. Now it's time to do in the workout. And uh, yeah, on my runs, I actually was going faster than prescribed. Uh, I thought today pace. was one of the first days that I don't, know, I don't know if I would say like you looked like your old self. It just it felt like there was a natural. We're getting there. Yeah, there there was a more natural look to it today. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but 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 I know that it didn't look like a month ago when you could run five minute pace for eight hundred two two six, minutes three yeah. minutes. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, yeah, when my when we did a workout, about like a month ago, yeah, we were at Fort Tut, yeah. and it was uh, it was You're like just doing some six hundreds. Yeah, it was six hundred meters. Six hundred meters at, at five, five, five flat pace, pace. Yeah. and that's with a two two minute rest, mm -hmm. right? And I couldn't do it at all. Like Matt was blowing my doors off, and I was sucking went through a straw. And now I could hold it for ten minutes, and now I guarantee the next step is okay. Instead of doing time, now we could put down mileage. And the breathing is so much better. Yeah, I feel a lot more relaxed. Also, it helped that a lot of the mass that I accumulated during my bulking phase yeah. is actually shed off and I'm yeah. finally like back to yeah. like yeah. the twiggy self, I guess, if you want to call that. But um, but yeah, everything seems to be finally going in the way that it was before the Achilles. Yeah. You know? And you can see what Alan, our new coach, um, is doing where he's having you touch all these different yeah. zones so that as you get fitter and fitter, nothing is a big surprise. Yes. Nothing is going to be a huge shock to the system because you've even touched 440 pace. Yeah. You know, not for a very long period no, of time, no. but you've touched it. And I, I imagine soon we'll be touching even faster paces for short periods of time. Yeah. And then all those zones will begin to extend the time in which you spend uh, in, in each zone. And I think uh, before you know it, you'll be doing some pretty decent workouts. Yeah, I think for me... Are you letting yourself dream about that? A little bit. I've actually been thinking of, of like... 
I've been dreaming about my <laughs> upcoming race mostly. Um, but for me, I think with all these workouts, it's just another like confidence builder, like did mile repeats at Kilty Loop one day and killed that. And I was like, okay, that's another confidence builder. Mm -hmm. Doing a long run with feeling, you know, where it's like, you know, we go easy out, but then maybe like crank it back, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit going to mountain air. I remember when I did my first run at Mountain Air, I was sucking <laughs> wind at 7.30 pace with, with Nick Hogger, yeah. and I was freaking out. Al Alex, I was, Alex uh, got away from you guys. Yeah, I was like redlining, <laughs> and now when I did 16 miles out there, uh, I was, you know, Matt had his pace, and he was killing it, and I was like, wow, it makes it look so easy. I looked at my watch, and I was failing at 6.09 pace, mm -hmm. but I was like maintaining. I wasn't like redlining. I was just, all right, I, I'm a little winded, but I could keep going with mm -hmm. this. So, um, yeah, I think it's just every single rep, it's just I'm slowly getting my confidence back and slowly, again, feeling a little bit of my old self. What's the hardest part, even on a day like today that, that went well, given the context, what's the hardest part? Just thinking about the past, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like, we were at Buffalo Park, you rode your bike with me, and we did a um, workout where it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a fartlek-esque workout where I had to go minute on, two minutes off, and the minute on, I had to try to hit like five flat pace. And I remember just, yeah, sprinting, and I'm looking at my watch, and it's like, okay, it's like 450-something effort. And I remembered, well, like, when I was like a junior in college, I used to do 10 miles out there, and I used to close out in 450s, you know? So a lot of it is just thinking about, like, how much of a badass, per se, I was in the past, or how, how much of a great athlete I am, and how I'm not that athlete now. But... That athlete before has never went through the adversity that I went through now. Right. Um, I mean, that like during that time of my career, everything I was touching was turning into gold, right? Every nationals I went to, I was an All-American. Every single cross-country race I went into, we won a championship, yeah. okay? So everything was going well for me. The one year that wasn't going well, I didn't give ownership into my running. I didn't give, you know, I, I, I just was passive, and it showed. And But this is the first time where I really felt the the uglier side of athletics, of sport, of like injury and something that's put you out. So yeah, the old Tyler was cool. He mm -hmm. did some cool stuff, like, you know, chick magnet stuff, if you will. <laughs> but, um, but like, like fanboy magnet. Yeah. But, but, but I feel like this Tyler now is like, I have a better appreciation for the sport. I have a better things of like what I've taken for granted and what I shouldn't take for granted anymore. And now I'm just trying to like, yeah, be a phoenix from the ashes. It's my turn to rise up. I love it. Okay, so let's end by looking to the future a little bit. Without okay. without saying specific races, Okay. Uh, what are you looking forward to in the fall? Looking forward to... Um, represent donning the uh, the hoka kit almost said nau kit my bad um representing hoka naz again and um yeah trying to do some longer efforts out east uh in september we have a race lined up at the 10k um, the next month we have a 10 miler in the midwest and then the next month uh, going back to the east and doing a 5k and then in december going um out west to do a cross-country race mm -hmm. and um i think for me it's just exciting to have something on the docket that I know I could be confident for. And the reason why it is in September, because I know right now, I mean, I was running with Alfie the other day and I told her what I've been doing. She's like, oh, you should be like racing right now. And I told Alfie and I was like, look, when I race in September and I'm in the middle of this 10K, having these negative thoughts or being in the, you know, the, the, the hard cave. part. Yeah, <laughs> the pain cave, the spirit world, if you will. Like, I don't want one of those thoughts to be like, is my Achilles good enough? Because mm -hmm. I know in September it will be 100%. So mm -hmm. I want it to be like, 
it's not your Achilles holding back anymore. Like it's it's just you. Like we need to go. Um, trust me, I would love to say I'm fit enough now and I could be running tomorrow, but you know that's that's just not the case. I still have to. I still have more time to build and more time to get fit. And a little longer term, would it be pretty fun to make the U.S. team for the World Cross Country Championships? I think it would be huge. Um, I feel like if there's going to be like my, you know, I already made a world team with uh, for Peru for Pan Ams, but I feel like any world championships team I'm going to make, I feel I have a really strong, like, yeah, I feel I have a really good part to make the cross country. I'm sorry, I can't even think right now. I, I'm I think I think what you're trying to say because you're so excited is, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I Do just it. I just have always felt like, and other people have felt this way about you that you're so suited for cross country, not only the style of racing uh, that you enjoy, but your willpower and the decision-making that you make, uh, or the decision-making that, that is required in cross country, you're really good at. So all these things, mental and physical, and the distance, it just really suits you. Mm -hmm. And I, I think on top of that, people who know you would just love to see you complete, compete at World Cross Country. Now yeah. you got to make the team. Oh, yeah, it's not going to be but, easy. But World Cross Country re rewards the brave. Yeah. And you are a fearless racer, and I would love to see you at the World Championships in Australia just knocking heads up front, just, just, just being willing to take gigantic risks just Craig Virgin it dog. that's right that's right so anyway uh, yeah. I think it's okay to start dreaming about that stuff here and there now you don't want it to overwhelm your life uh, <laughs> no. but I think especially on the tough days to just remember hey this is coming yeah this is coming I think it's good and, and we're excited for you thank you for today this was cool I hope this helps uh, everybody uh, get up to speed on where you're at mm -hmm. and where you want to go and we'll follow you all summer long until that big race in September when you uh, open back up. For sure. Yeah, thank you for everyone that's watching this and for the support. Appreciate it. We all appreciate it. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. I'm Addison Rosario, Coach Ben's daughter. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NAZ underscore Elite. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter on NAZElite.com. And stay tuned for the next episode of the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite.